Welcome to N20XX. This series takes the listener, year by year, into the future. From 2040 to 2195. If you like emerging tech, ecotech, futurism, permaculture, apocalyptic survival scenarios, and disruptive science, sit back and enjoy short stories that showcase my research into how the future may play out. Tamika's pointy chin juts forward as she lies on her bed making a detailed color drawing. Early hip-hop and soul plays on an old scratch smartphone that belonged to her father. Is she an artist? Because she spends nearly all her free time coloring. She puts off doing other things. She hasn't gotten those new VR dots. She can't remember the last time she opened her TokTok app. She bites a finger on her free hand. The image she draws from is on her foldable, a picture of a popular avatar named Vanessa who takes orders at Ken Tucky's chicken drive-thru. One of six avatars for Ken's Tucky Chicken, Vanessa is a black animated character who, until recently, greeted customers near and far. Vanessa smiles in the picture, writing on a notepad and wearing the KTC uniform. Vanessa is a star, like all the other KTC order takers. A late-night talk show host interviewed her. She showed up in a live-action gunfight movie even though she's a 3D model. Drag queens like to dress up as her. Tamika's job before the attack was controlling Vanessa's remotely. Tamika misses that job. She could work at home taking orders as Vanessa at many KTCs. She didn't have to worry about it being dark when she got off work. In her room, she signed in on her foldable, put on a headset, and was the voice of Vanessa. By pressing hotkeys, she made Vanessa wave, smile, and shrug. Tamika couldn't see the people whose orders she took, but she listened and talked with them. She could work an average of three drive throughs at once, but she never knew where they were. As soon as she was finished with one order, that opened her up for the next order, which could be at the same drive through or another, even one in another state. One evening when she tried to log into work, the KTC site was completely down. After days of it being down, she realized she may not work for KTC again. They didn't even lay her off. They went radio silent. One of her roommates told her about the media attacks. He couldn't believe she hadn't heard about it. A few days later, the same roommate wandered off into a snowy Philly night wearing only some gym shorts. When she spotted him from the second story window, she panicked. Should she go down there and pull him back inside? By the time she puts on pants and coat, he could be blocks away. Would she be able to find him? She told herself he'd get cold and come back, but she had a hard time getting to sleep that night. She waited to hear him return the next day and the day after that. Giantess pauses deliveries. The corner store stays shuttered all day. She checks the Lifeline website each day, which shows where Pexin and food services have popped up. No food. How bad is this? What should she do? Try to find work. Leave the city? She walks down to the store and finds most of the shelves empty. When a store clerk tries to talk to her, she shies away, covering her mouth with a mittened hand. Back home, she counts 20 frozen fish cutlets and a big bag of rice. She'll eat only one meal a day and hope all this blows over. 
in the morning, for military people wake her when they check all the rooms. The couple from downstairs waits by the front door. The military people find the guy who lived in the back has hung himself in his room. Blinking her eyes rapidly, Tamika shuts her door as a four-legged robot marches the body down the stairs. Someone knocks on her door. She walks to the opposite side of her room and waits. They knock again. They already know she's in her room. Come in. A guy in uniform opens the door. He extends a piece of paper into the room. The government is asking, if anyone can work, please sign up and join emergency services. She tries to remain calm. I'll consider it. The guy looks down. He places the paper on the ironing board she sometimes uses as a stand desk. I'll set it here. I hope it goes well for you. Tamika crosses her arms over her chest. Thanks. You too. A week goes by with no answers. The Lifeline website promises to show any local spots to get food but so far none materialize. Then it says that United Nations are downtown offering food, water, and medicine. Tamika's heart races as she layers up. The subway isn't running, so she bikes through the icy streets. After waiting in line for two hours she gets dry blocks that you can add to boiling water to make soup. As she secures food in her bike baskets, a van pulls up and an older white woman calls to her. Hello. Can you work? My company needs people who can work. Tamika wants to edge away. The van looks commercial with a sign on the side that says Felicity Senior Community. Tamika says, what kind of work? The woman with short ashy hair says, the community I belong to needs all manner of help. Tamika walks a step closer. I don't want to be a nurse. The woman says, we need cleaners and security. We pay $1,000 a day. Tamika coughs through her nose. That's crazy, $1,000 a day? The woman pauses. Have you had any other job offers? Tamika says. No. I haven't been looking. The woman says, it's the going rate right now. Tamika says, do I get meals? The woman again pauses. No. Sorry. You're going to need to figure out your own meals. I don't think anyone can offer you meals right now. In the early hours, the van stops outside her house and sends a notification to her foldable. She gets in and takes one of the three free seats. Half the passengers wear VR shades. The others seem as reluctant to talk as she. The van drives a maze of North Philly streets. A woman wearing twice as many layers as Tamika says, you know they have food. Tamika places her hand on her heart. Who? The woman says, the old folks home. They have a grow house, chickens, even cows. Tamika says, oh. The van drives onto a campus of austere brick buildings where it parks. She works 12-hour shifts walking the perimeter. Robot dogs walk the same path. It feels weird carrying a rifle, the uniform is no fun to wear, and the cold tries its best to suck all the calories out of her. She should have tried harder to get a kitchen job, those lucky asses probably sneak bites of food all day long. 
Whenever someone climbs over the wall, she runs toward them, calling on the radio for backup. So far, the trespassers let the robot dogs escort them off the grounds. When she checks her bank account on her foldable, she thrills at watching the amount increase. But when she tries to buy food from someone on the street, she feels the opposite. People sell bread for $500 a loaf. Cans of soup can cost $300. Only she and the couple downstairs remain in her building. On Saturday morning, she knocks on the door to their room. Rent is due. Darius, with a squat head, comes to the door. Don't you know? Our landlord passed away. Tamika's eyes flutter. What should we do? Darius raises both hands. Do what you like. We're going to stay. She gives a confused smile. Darius says, besides, we have electric. She nods. What do you mean? He says, you know grids went down, not just here. Grids went down and they didn't. Renewable energy saved America. For decades, people put solar panels on their roofs and put power walls in their homes. You know how electric was included with our rent? Our landlord put solar on the roof. When city electric browns out, the battery in the basement keeps the heat pump on. A bunch of us on the block are joining power together and adding solar from abandoned buildings. That's what we were doing on the rooftops yesterday. She nods. I'm impressed. Darius grins like a kid. In an emergency, we can always plug the house into a car. Its batteries can run our heat pump. She smiles, gives a quick nod, and walks up the stairs. In front of her mirror, she lifts her shirt and looks at her rib cage. She's losing weight. With two fish portions left, she eats rice and oatmeal mixed together for her daily meal. Soon, she'll have to pay $500 for a loaf of bread. Half the time, she feels lightheaded and can't decide if it's a good feeling or not. On the bus ride to work, she pulls her wool hat lower, waiting for the heat in the van to thaw her out. In the morning dark, someone breaks out with a peal of laughter. She hears pill bottles shaken, and co-workers kick back their heads as they swallow pills. A lot of her co-workers take Pexin or perform on drugs to maintain their ability to work. The Pexin takers seem normal, but the pleasant takers huddle together and whisper conspiratorially. They make her jumpy. She puts her earpieces in and slumps down in the seat. Luan, the woman who wears so many layers, gets on and sits next to her. Hey girl, wake up. Tamika takes her earpieces out and fidgets. Luan says, I wanted to ask you, have you ever gone on a raid? Tamika says, what's that? Luan rubs her hands on her arms. You go into abandoned buildings to search for food. Tamika says, that sounds scary. Luan says, we go as a group and we get the hell out if someone's there. Most of the time, all you have to do is try the door. If it's open, the military got the bodies and it's empty. If it's locked, someone's in there. Tamika says, yeah, but drug dealers are selling food. What if we run into one of them? Luan says, we take an auto taxi to unclaimed neighborhoods. 
Even if we run into a gang, it's still outside of their territory. We're a group of four girls, five if you come along. We just tell them we're checking on a family member. Tamika says, well I guess. Luan says, oh, I knew you would. Can you go this Saturday? Tamika dry swallows. Sure. The van parks in front of the largest brick estate building. A man and woman wearing business attire walk up to Tamika and her co-workers as they climb out. The man says, excuse us, I know you're on your way to work. We have job offers at a company that's going to save America's food crisis. Edgar who works security like Tamika says, oh no, you can't be here. This is private property. You're trespassing. The man says, we're on our way. He shoves a pamphlet into Tamika's hand. He and the woman hand as many pamphlets out as they can before walking up the slippery slope to the sidewalk. Luan calls to them, do you offer lunch? The woman calls back, glad you asked. We offer as much food as you want. Call the number on the pamphlet. Edgar follows after them puffing out his chest. Tamika pushes the pamphlet deep into her pocket. On Tamika's first day at the new job, she changes into blue coveralls in a locker room. A woman wearing glowing eyeshadow and lipstick meets Tamika in the hall. My name is Sherry. Follow me. Sherry leads her down a hall to a small room and helps her sit in a robotic chair. Just relax. Before Tamika knows what's happening, dozens of thin arms inject VR dots under her skin all over her body. As arms reach toward her face, she tries not to move but her head shakes back and forth. The needles at the ends of the arms still land dots on key points without leaving a scratch. The needles go through her clothes to inject her legs and arms. Shaken, she stands. Thanks for giving me VR dots, but why are they required for this job? Sherry may as well read from a cue card. You'll be around a lot of robots that all use a new safety system that can see your VR dots and avoid colliding with you. Injury by collision with robots is the fastest growing cause of injury. Now come along, we'll get you a new connect link. Tamika almost jumps with excitement. Are you serious? Sherry raises her eyebrows and nods. In another room, Tamika picks out a glassy smooth anklet. Sherry puts it around Tamika's ankle and locks it into place with a special tool. Then Sherry picks up a device that looks like a hairdryer and places the round opening in front on Tamika's ankle just above the connect link. Snap! Tamika's arms jump. What was that? Sherry says, I injected you with the key chip dot, a key allowing your connect link to work. The connect link won't work unless that key chip is within range. Tamika looks at her hands. I'm going to walk out of here with hundreds of chip dots injected all over me. Sherry grins politely. No, that's it for today. No more injections. Let's open your foldable and I'll help you set up a new Connect account. She shows Tamika an app she can use to practice with the VR dots. Tamika smiles as she controls a hand on the screen, picking petals off virtual flowers. It's following my hand exactly. I feel like that's my hand. 
She helps herself to a breakfast sandwich and coffee, then a bus takes her and other recruits to a 10-story grow house. They teach her how to lay track on the floor between racks where withered plants hang off white plastic pipes. She sits on a roller board, using a screw gun to pin the tracks down with the accuracy of someone who can draw what they see. Day after day, she installs different parts. Grow houses all over the nation are being retrofitted with robots. America will be saved from famine, and she's playing a part. A lot of her co-workers come out of retirement to help save the nation. Tamika can't believe it. Her bank account is going to burst. She feels calm like it's a new feeling. Philly seems weirdly quiet all over the city. The bus drops her off at Broad Street and Lehigh and she walks the rest of the way. She navigates around patches of ice, sometimes walking out into the street. They say a lot of people went into hiding. Others left the city. It's cold so it makes sense that loiters aren't braving the street corners, but where are the homeless? She realizes she hasn't seen one homeless person today. That's impossible, isn't it? A loudspeaker on an auto taxi calls out, we need workers. If you can work at all, we have a job for you. No work history needed. If you can walk into our office, you're fit for hire. Call this number. One giantess delivery robot, the size of a golf cart, drives past, and she wants to cheer. Delivery is back. Okay, so it still takes days before you get your order and the selection is minimal, but it shows we'll pull through. When she opens the front door, the smell of cooking meat hits her nose. In the kitchen, Darius and his fiancée Violet talk excitedly. Violet notices Tamika first. Oh, hi. You won't believe it. Tamika hangs her coat, scarf, and hat. What is it? Violet's curly hair bounces. I know you don't watch the news, but for the last week, FEMA has been bringing food to all the white neighborhoods in Philly. The Save America deployment is favoring rich and white in every state. So we joined a group of North End protesters. Over a hundred of us went to Chestnut Hill today where FEMA is delivering huge boxes of food to every residence where someone's home. Darius chants, what about us? Violet echoes his chant, what about us? Tamika stares at large slices of meat frying in a skillet and a big pot of stew. They gave you food? Violet says, well, yeah. The mayor was there. News cameras were there. They led us to an army truck and gave each of us a box of food. Tamika picks up a can with an image of a young Uncle Sam on the side. Sam's meat. What's this? Darius says, it's like spam. You know, it's wartime meat. It'll fix you up though. I'm telling you, it tastes great and that's not just because I've been eating nothing but can ravioli for the last two weeks. Tamika studies the can. It's made by John and John. Don't they make baby powder? Why are they making meat? Darius says, sister, haven't you heard? We're at war. Here have some. He forks a slice out of the skillet, slaps it on a plate, and hands it to her. Have some stew too. She giggles and takes the plate and a fork. They watch as she tries her first bite. 
Her eyes grow big, and she chews slowly. Oh my god, that's good. I mean, it's better than. Darius and Violet nod enthusiastically. Though Tamika doesn't see it, that evening on Vic's News, Tommy Larson, a young blonde woman, comes on. In front of a giant waving American flag and a glittering golden cross, she oozes self-righteous anger. Have you heard about this Blacks Need FEMA 2 movement that liberals have cooked up? Look, people are serving our country in the military right now, risking their lives for your freedom, so just shut up. I don't want to hear it. Whites need FEMA too. Do you like to hear that? Just shut up. Whites need FEMA too. Whites need FEMA too. When Tamika arrives at work, everyone who normally gears up and gets onto a bus waits in a line in front of a meeting room. Tamika goes up to the woman standing at the end of the line. What's going on? The woman says, test day. Tamika's heart jumps. A test, what for? Her co-worker shrugs. They enter the room and sit at desks with VR shades waiting on each. Tamika wishes she could protest. She didn't even graduate high school. Her good feelings come tumbling down. Some of the others already put on the VR shades. Sherry steps into the room. Okay, everyone, you know how this goes. Put on the shades. The test is self-explanatory. Do your best. Maybe Tamika can get her job back at the elderly center if this doesn't go so great. She dons the shades. The first test shows her five different screws with names like NS-135 and SC-5. One screw reminds her of that cartoon character with a wide head and skinny body. The next is like a fire hydrant, short and hefty. The next image shows a screw hole. Text says, what screw belongs here? The VR shows a keyboard in front of her. When she moves her hands forward, hands appear inside the VR. She wiggles her fingers. Despite her worry, she marvels at how the fingers in the simulation move exactly like her own. Her fingertips touch the desk as her VR fingers touch the keyboard. GR400 is one of those titanium screws and this hole supports a part of a machine that'll move back and forth so GR400 is certainly the right one. She types in the code for the screw and presses enter. The next image takes the place of the last. As she chooses screws for one hole after the next, the test gets easy. Without realizing it, she feels better. Then she's shown components. That's a capacitor, that's an inductor, that's a transistor, and that's a resistor. Each component is part of an interactive circuit that animates how they work. She's given a diagram and asked to complete a circuit. That light bulb burns out because the amps are too high so if she adds a resistor, and that fixes that. The next diagram shows a circuit where the current level needs to be stable. An inductor should take care of that, right? Yes, she guessed right. When she finishes the test and takes off the VR shades, all the others still sit, wearing shades and moving their hands. Did she mess up? Why is she done when the others haven't? She walks over to Sherry. Hi, did I miss one of the tests? Sherry looks at her foldable. No. You finished. 
Tamika looks out at the others. What do I do now? Sherry says, you can go to the break room if you like. Tamika walks across the empty bus port. Was that really a test? That was fun and she learned some things. Is that what white school is like? She likes playing a game that she can win. In the break room, she looks for games she can download that are like those tests. In a week, half her co-workers have been given job-completed notices. That's weird because the country is supposed to be starving for workers. But now when she retrofits grow houses only she and four others enter a building and a lot of standalones do most of the installing. She doesn't shoot screws in tracks anymore. Now she checks the work the robots have done. Sherry tells those still working that they have access to online courses. It doesn't matter who graduated and who does or doesn't have a GED. You guys are lucky. Lots of people pay thousands to take these courses. On her walk from the bus stop to home, she sees a standalone with a blue spinning light for a head pulling over a guy on a motorcycle. Delivery vehicles are running again, though not as many. Philly will always feel empty to her from now on. People can order groceries again and the stores are a third full, but the food has completely changed. Uncle Sam's meat has changed to Sam's beef, Sam's chicken, Sam's ham, Sam's eggs, a carton of liquid, and Sam's milk. The stores offer produce, but you can't get bananas, apples, avocados, or anything grown on large plants. Bread, corn, and sugar are hard to get. People lose weight on the new types of food. The house next door is empty, so Darius makes sure the electric, heat, and water are running and Tamika moves in. She still has dinner with Darius and Violet almost weekly. During dinner, Violet asks, what's the name of the company you work for again? Tamika says, Bodic. Violet says, it's in the news all the time. It wants to take all the factory jobs away. Tamika swallows before finishing chewing. Workers are still in demand. Anyone who can work has no problem finding a job. Violet says, I worked at Giantess for 15 years. I heard that we may get one of those job-completed notices. Darius says, Violet, don't worry. It's not Tamika's fault. Tamika says, I think I can help you get a job at Biotic. Thank you for listening. My landing page is solomeshan.com. There you can find the companion website to this podcast that includes a timeline and illustrations.